Let's make our confession as we did. I forgot that. Let's say it. The Word of God God is truth. truth. If I live the Word, I I will be blessed. blessed. If I don't, I won't. won't. It's just that simple. How many of you seasoned veterans have found out it's just that simple? Good to see all of you here today. Thank God for Chris and Megan and everybody else in the backpack. And it's really an awesome, awesome outreach. Okay, I have in my hands 10 reasons why God created Eve. Have you ever wondered? I mean, man was down here. He was doing okay. He was having a ball. Or he thought, right? Uh, uh, Carol turns the bill and says, I know why. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have never made it without me. <laughs> I, I thought this was really, really quite humorous. Okay, you ready? Okay, 10 reasons why God created Eve. Are you ready, honey? God worried that Adam would always be lost in the garden because he knew he would never ask for directions. <laughs> Number nine, God knew Adam would one day need someone to hand him the TV remote because men don't want to see what's on TV. They want to see what else is on TV. (laughs) Number eight, God knew that Adam would never buy a new fig leaf when the seat wore out and therefore he needed Eve to get him one. (laughs) Number seven, God knew that Adam would never make a doctor's appointment for himself. Okay, these laughter is getting smaller. Okay, (laughs) number six, God knew that Adam would never remember which night was garbage night. (laughs) Number five, God knew that if the world was to be populated, there would have to be someone to bear children because men would never be able to handle it. (laughs) All the women said. (laughs) Number four, as keeper of the garden, Adam would never remember where he put his tools. Number three, the scripture account of creation indicates that Adam needed someone to blame his troubles on when God caught him hiding in the garden. (laughs) Number two, as the Bible says, it is not good for man to be alone. He only gets himself in trouble. (laughs) And the number one reason, when God finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back, scratched his head and said, I can do better than that. If you have your Bible, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 60. And as you do, I just want to share with you that the end time series that I'm working on, uh, talking about uh, Matthew 24 and about uh, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, when, when you read some of that, it looks like doom and gloom. It looks like there are serious problems coming to America and to the world. Well, the serious problems have already come to the world, and they're starting to come to America. But the good news is, everybody said there's always good news. The good news is that God has left us in charge so that we can be a bright light as darkness intensifies. And you've all know and have heard examples like this where you walk into a dark room with a flashlight, and that flashlight lights up the room. And, and, and it, 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 the lightness intensifies everywhere that you go that it's dark with a bright light. So you and I have been given that light through Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about it in Isaiah chapter 60. Some of you have seen Don and his beautiful wife with us. And uh, I want that uh, we, we sh- uh, prayed for Don Granitz and for Jan uh, 
when we launched them out to, where did we launch you out to? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. How long were you there? He, he was there over a week, and I think this is a very positive thing. And he came to a realization that was not where he belonged. I think we ought to give the Lord a hand. I think we ought to give Don and Jan a hand. Because many people, myself included, over the years have made decisions that we thought were God. We got into it and realized I've made a mistake and we stayed in it. And we stayed in it for a long time. And we should have gotten out of it the moment we realized we went down the wrong path. Honey, my glasses are all messed up. Would you mind just... Hallelujah. With Kleenex, not a towel, not Brillo pad. I've watched what she cleans her glasses with sometimes. I think I gave those to the wrong person. (laughs) But, But... Really, Don, when I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, God said, go to Tulsa and you find the meaning for your life. And I said, thank you, God. I arrived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I took charge. And I did what I thought God told me to do. And I was there for about, I was there a year. I wasn't as smart as you. You got out in a week. I, I was out of the will of God for about a year. And it was just like almost pure. It was really, really bad. Let's all say, been there, done that. And I thank God, but I know this, God has a plan for Don, God has a plan for Jan, and that plan that God has put in his heart, and that plan that is put in your heart is so far beyond where you are. You can't figure it out. You can't make it happen, but God can. Oh, I gave Pam my glasses, now I can't see the word. (laughs) How long does it take to clean glasses? (laughs) She knows that. Well, the Word of God says, arise, shine. Isaiah chapter 60, the word, you, now you know how much I know. The Word of God says, arise, shine, for your light has come. Let's say that, arise and shine. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's time to rise and shine. And then it goes on to say, for gross darkness shall cover the world. I had a DVD that I prepared for today, and I felt like the message was different than what I was working on. I feel like it may be a message when I come back from Israel. But I I had a DVD put together of the Holocaust, um, won't be for children, uh, of what's currently happening by ISIS in Iraq and uh, what they're doing to the civilians in Gaza at the present time. And it's a horrifying video to look at. Uh, it's, it's horrifying. It, just, it, it is demonic to look at what man is capable of doing. Thank you, sweetheart. And that darkness that is covering the world is demonic. And we have to realize we are facing demonic forces, uh, powers and principalities over nations and geographical regions. But we have been given the victory in our walk with the Lord, but God, but that victory is not just you out there with a six shooter going anywhere you want. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to show you what you are supposed to do and what you're called to do. And what it's saying here, we know that this is a word, a prophetic word to the people of, of Israel, but it's also a messianic word as to what is happening when Jesus comes. And it says, Arise, shine. 
for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around you, and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Can we say amen? Amen. How many of you would like to have the wealth of all the Gentiles coming to you to accomplish what God has called you to do? I want to share this word with you. When I got this call from uh, CUFI, and it was a regional director, and he said, Bill, we'd like for you to go on this trip. We want every state in America to be represented. Uh, the leadership will be there and talked about the meeting and all that we'll be able to do and all. He said, we have thought about this, and we want to do this with solidarity, but in the planning stages and all of this as it was coming together, we had a benefactor who came to us and said, we want to take care of all of the expenses. All of the expenses. I don't know how many people are going, probably 50 to 100, all of the expenses. God has no problem with money. You do, (laughs) but we don't. Turn to your neighbor and say, God doesn't have any problem. We work for the richest Jew in the world. He's got all of the wealthy, all of the, he can do anything. I don't know how exactly to share all this, but when I look at my prayer journal and all the things that God has been showing me, and I just keep seeing them come one after one after one. And, and I felt one day when I was praying that the day would come when I would be with Mr. Sachs and that we would actually sit down face to face. And I just realized that I had seven hours in New York on the return on Friday. Now, now I don't know what that means. All I know is it makes me want to cry. cry. Because I believe that all of this is tied together to the destiny of our church, to your destiny, to my destiny, and that everything is falling into place. And when I heard years ago, I heard a word about Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And at that time, he was a member of the Knesset. He had just been prime minister, and he became a member of the Knesset. He's the head of the Likud party, very conservative party. Uh, and, uh, and I'm not going to tell you the exact word I had, but it was a word that is exactly where we are in Israel today and in the Middle East, exactly. And at the time... I felt like this word flooded me as to what he was going to do. And I thought, well, why am I hearing all this? I don't even know if it's God, but I wrote it in my prayer journal. And, and, and then when I finished up with my prayer journal at the very end, said, and he will be the prime minister of Israel, and all of this will be just before the end time. And when I wrote it all down, and I thought, well, that, I know a little bit about the government of Israel, not a lot, but a little bit. And I thought, well, that can't be God. That just must be something I heard because 
in Israel, if you're a member of what they call their uh, the government, their uh, Knesset, you cannot run for a pri- to become a prime minister. You you cannot run, and so he was a member of the Knesset. So I thought, well, that couldn't be God. And then a few years later, he resigned from the Knesset and decided to run again for prime minister. And instantly I remembered what God showed me. How many of you have some things God showed you, they just seem a little bizarre? Can I see your hands? Because if if you don't, then I believe you have not yielded yet, or maybe it's not time yet, for you to hear what God has for you. Because what God has for you is beyond you. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's way beyond you. You will not be able to figure it out. And as we look at the great darkness that's going to cover the world and is covering much of the world right now with the caliphate developing over in Iraq and the Middle East and all of that, and they say, you know, little Satan first, big Satan next. But yet God is going to raise up His church, and we are going to go out of here in a cloud of glory, folks. We're going out of here with the wealth of the Gentiles. Let's give the Lord a hand. We're going out of here. We are not going out of here with our tail between our legs. We're coming out of here just like the children walked out of Egypt with the wealth of the world. And everything that God has called you to do, you're going to be able to do. Now, in Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plan that I have for each and every one of you. And I want to read that as far as what that, what that word means. It says, uh, because... Uh, the, the meaning in Jeremiah 29, 11, many of you know that scripture, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you hope. Now that word in the Hebrew, excuse me, yeah, in the Hebrew, the word thoughts means this, the intentions and the plan and the purpose. So how you read this is, I know the intention and the plan and the purpose that I have towards you or for you. I know what you are called to do. Brad told me, how old were you when you heard about Africa? Oh, I don't know, 30. Age 30, or uh, so that's about, what, four or five years ago? Uh, <laughs> Brad heard that he was going to go to Africa. Brad told me on one of the trips over there that I don't know if he told you this or not, but he could live in Africa. I don't, but I don't know if he showed you that yet. But, but in other words, God will show you things so far beyond you, and the first thing that your mind will do will try to do what? Figure it out. Well, how can I do this? How can I afford it? I don't have enough education. I don't have enough this. I don't have. You will never have enough when God calls you. You're going to have to rely totally on him and walk by faith. Pam, how old were you when 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 you wanted to be a counselor? 30 years old. Pam had been through some things in her life and her heart's desire was to be a counselor. And she talked to somebody and she went to Purdue and talked to them and they told her all the things she would have to do and all of the intellectual mumbo jumbo crappy stuff that you need to do to be a licensed this or that or whatever. And so she never became a counselor by the world standards. But I'll tell you what, (laughs) Bill O'Brien said good, but I'll tell you what. I don't know anybody in counsel better than my wife. She is absolutely awesome. And some of you have been under her counseling and she is absolutely superb. Don't come to me, go to her. But <laughs> she is absolutely superb. Never been to counseling school, 
never been to a university to learn how to do it the intellectually correct way with a license and all of this, but she went to the school of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost moves through her. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what happens to many people, myself included, for a number of years in my life. You start, even after I've saved, you start doing what you know to do only to not like what you do. And you do it forever, even though God is trying to expand your, your area of influence and take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And it is beyond your comfort zone. And what happens then is that we, we start to, we, we peek our little heads up sometimes. When I went out to Tulsa, when we first got to Tulsa, and I thought, I, I plugged in what I felt like I was comfortable to do for God. I knew God called us to Tulsa. And then I said, okay, now I'll take it from here, God. And I tried the employment service. I tried the city of faith and all of them failed. And, uh, and, and it I even had some good, well-meaning people tell me, well, Bill, it's just because, uh, you know, those people didn't understand what you were really called to do. And I thought, how could that be? If God's called you to do something, then he's equipped you to do it and he will open every door. And, and, and what happened was I was trying to do what I wanted to do based on him calling me, but I was taking control of it myself. Does that make sense to what, what I'm saying? In, in other words, <clears throat> God wants you to leave everything of your preconceived notion and trust totally on him, even though it means that you've got to pray for Burger King to have a sale for 10 cent ham. Was it 10 cent hamburgers or 10 hamburgers for a dollar? Well, that would be 10 cents, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was 10 cents a piece or 10 for a dollar, but anyway. <laughs> but there were so many times, so many times that, that we didn't know what to do. And so many times that I made mistakes along the way, but only to be frustrated every time I picked up that baton and tried to make it happen myself. Am I speaking to anybody here? I'm talking to you. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Well, I can do this, God. I can do, well, I'll follow God. Whatever you tell me to do. No, I don't want to do that. Glory to God. I'll, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. And, and all of a sudden, it was like, I used to cry myself to sleep a lot. I really do. Uh, and sometimes I still do. Because God is so awesome. And, 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 and it's, you, you're there and you're thinking, God, Hindsight's 2020. When I look back at all of the things that God has done in our life and the life of this church, and I think about the Sudan and all of those things, God gets all the glory because He did it all. But He showed us what to do, and it looked like it wouldn't work because it was beyond our ability. But everything God is calling you to do is beyond your ability. I believe with all of my heart, Don going out there, and I asked Don if I could share that today, and he said, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, that's a very humble man. You know, he, he can go back and say, oh, I don't want anybody to know what's going on. I'll just hang out for a while. But that's not, that's not Don. Don has put, or God has, because Don shared some of it with me. God's put in Don's heart what his passion is. He knows what it is. The door hasn't opened yet, but the passion is growing. How many of you realize there are some things you're passionate about? How many of you realize you are not, for the most part, passionate about the life you're living right now 
for the rest of your life, and you think God's got a whole lot more. You, you know that God's got a whole lot more for you. Well, he does, and he's going to show you, but he's already begun to show you some of those things. But what happens sometimes, myself included, you start to serve God, and you start to step out, and then some things don't work that you thought were God. And you move out in that vein, and you fall along the way. Micah 7.8 says, though I fall, I shall arise. Can you all say that? Though I fall, I shall arise. Don didn't have a problem going out there to New Hampshire, he had a valuable lesson. He found out something that didn't work. If we learn from all of our apparent mistakes, our, our falling, our, our failure, most of us would become what? You all have heard it before. Most of us would become brilliant by now because we've all made a lot of mistakes. Is that right? He just found a way that didn't work. And all of us have found that. But if you're not careful, when you take a step out to do something and you realize that it doesn't work, you'll stop pursuing God. Does that make sense to you? How many of you have ever stopped pursuing God when you started to do something and you found out it didn't work? Ran out of money. Uh, all, all sorts of challenges, but yet we found ways that didn't work, but in the proceeding, uh, pursuing of all those things, the, the Lord began to open the doors, and that's what he's going to do for each and every one of you. How many of you, let me see your hands again, there are things that you know somebody has departed in your spirit that are far, far, far beyond your ability, and you know it. Okay, now, those are the things that God is going to grow in your heart so that you can be what God wants you to be. And the Word of God says, that when, when Jesus came and said, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to do the will of the Father who sent me. That's in John chapter 6, verse 38. Then we know in the garden, Jesus said that uh, basically not my will be done, but your will be done. And that what we do is we pursue God through the renewing of our mind by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says that we present our body as a living sacrifice pure, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. So then you get to the point in your life when the light of Jesus that is in you is shining out everywhere that you go and you are saying, Lord, here am I. What do you have for me? And then God will begin to deposit in your heart the thing he has for you to do. And then he'll ask you to take a step in that direction. And as you take a step in that direction, then he, how many of you have raised children? All right. Some children obey you instinctively. Have you found that to be true if you've had more than one child? Some children, it's like, I, I need to get their attention just a moment. And then some children, it's like, would you repeat what I told you? Can you all relate to what I'm saying? It's like, do you love all your children? Yes. Do you trust them all? Heck no. <laughs> no way. I got two I trust and two I'm going to watch like a hawk. Uh, and it's because of the track record. Well, God looks at us and he says, what are you doing? And, and this happened in my life. Be very transparent. I know God spoke to us right after we were married. Go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. That's all I had. Now, to me, that was not enough to go to Tulsa. 
I wanted some money. I wanted some assurance. I wanted everything. And I did everything I could to make it happen. But in the process, I did say to Pam, God said we need to go to Tulsa. And Pam said, well, if God said we need to go to Tulsa, let's go. I thought, Lord, that's not what I want to hear. Uh, I, I got a wife who says she thinks I hear from God. Well, <laughs> at that particular moment, I really believe I did. So we went to Tulsa. But then some things happened. I just couldn't figure out how it would work. I, I, I decided that, God, I'm, I'm going to fleece God, and I'm going to move into a house I can't afford, and I'm going to do all this and do all this if God will answer my fleece. Well, two people will answer your fleece, sometimes God and sometimes the devil. The devil answered my fleece. Ended up in court. Hallelujah. It was a bad fleece. But anyway, but I made a mistake, and I fell. Now, it says that in, in Roman, or in, uh, uh, where is it, uh, uh, Proverbs 24, 16, that, that, that though a righteous man fall seven times, you're going to get back up again and move on out. Doesn't matter how many times you fall, you're going to get back up. And I remember locking up over that whole situation and thinking, and I'm sure you remember too, and, and thinking, okay, all this stuff I'm hearing from God, these prayer journals I got, they, I mean, I, I just... What you see up here is not what I'm always like. <laughs> I mean, I was so frustrated. I just wanted to get rid of everything and, and just do it myself. Now, we don't do that consciously. But what happens is when we get into con in control, we're making our own decisions instead of letting the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows how to lead and guide and direct us and knows exactly what He has for us. That's what it says in John chapter 16, verse 13. He knows you personally. He knows exactly what you need. And if we're not careful, we will get involved in our own routine. We all like our own routine. I like my own routine. I like everything organized and exactly the way I want it to do. When I got this call to go to Israel, I told Pam, I said, I don't know if I'm going to go or not. That's a war zone. I mean, I love excitement. I really do. But I said, I don't know if I'm going to go to Israel or not. And she said, well, you better pray about it. And I said, well, yeah, I suppose that'd be a good idea. And, and uh, but, but all of a sudden this door opens up and I am excited about it and I'm excited about everything that's going on. I think, well, I've never been there before. I don't, I don't know if this is, and all of a sudden, how many of you know what I'm talking about when things in here start to churn? It's like, okay, this does not feel as comfortable as a normal Sunday. As soon as we get done here, I'm going to figure out how many things I have to take with me. I'm going to figure out how to pack for three days. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I never get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I get up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, am I talking to you where you live? As far as I like things just like they always are. But now it's a new thing. But it's a new venture but I believe the Holy Spirit's in it. So I finally settled that issue, even though there's still this stuff going on in here and these questions up here. But then when you finally make the decision, that pressure seems to lift off and you feel like I'm flowing where God wants me to go. That is exactly where God wants each and every one of you. Now, I know this. There isn't a single one of you that do not want to do what God's called you to do. But you yourself know whether or not you are in control of your life or God is in control of your life. You say amen to that? Amen. 
getting quiet in here. Okay, now if you are making all of the decisions, you are in control of your life. Does that make sense? But if you are seeking God for every decision and praying and letting the Holy Spirit show you what to do, you are in a constant state of reaching past your ability. You're doing things and thinking and believing things and releasing your faith for things that you can't make happen. But God can. And if you start on that path and God is showing you, it's like that child. Uh, When you see that child that moves out uh, in obedience, you, you, then that child, you know you can trust them. So when God is speaking things to you, if you're doing them, then God knows I can trust you because you're hearing me. But when you stop because you can't figure it out, then God knows that he can't trust you to do what he's told you to do. For instance, if I ask for a show of hands, this happened in, in, in Peru when we were down there ministering one year, and I think you've all heard this story, or most of you have. I was sharing with a group of graduates uh, from Victory Bible Institute, and, and at the very end I said, how many of you know that God has shown you things to do and you just have not done them? And it was like every class, I had an interpreter, and it's like every hand was up, and I turned to the interpreter, and I said, would you say that again? And every hand went up again, and I said, am I saying something wrong? I can't believe everybody there is not doing what God showed them to do. And, and, and he said, I'm saying it right, but I'll do it again. He did it again. Every hand went up. And it was like, and the guy with me, Terry Henshaw, he said, wow. He said, that's amazing. Every single person knows there are things in their life that God told them to do that they're not doing. God is not going to give you a second chance if you don't do the first one. Does that make sense? Now, I know he's the God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance. He'll always give you a new start. But if he told you something to do, then he's not going to say, oh, you don't want to do that? No problem. I'll I'll get somebody else to do that. You do whatever you want. I'll come back later on with another plan for you. No, he's not going to do that. Your plan and your race on this earth is settled by God, and he's going to show you exactly what to do. And that's where the passion will come in your heart. That's where the things that God wants you to do, you will hear them clearly, and you'll say, this is what I'm called to do. And then it's going to be an exciting ride for each and every one of you. Now, the way God looks at this is, is summed up in Isaiah 119. It says, the willing and the obedient will eat the fruit of the land. Willing and, and obedient. Are you willing to do whatever God tells you to do and go wherever God tells you to go? Are you obedient to do what he's told you to do? If you're willing and the obedient, then you are going to eat the good of the land. And that no matter how dark things get on this earth, the light of Jesus is going to get brighter. Can you say amen to that? So it doesn't matter. And we're not going to be a pessimistic people. We're not going to be looking at things like, oh, it's doom and it's gloom. No, but we're going to call things as they are. We have to be wise, wise to know what is happening in the world, know how to target our prayers, how to bind, how to loose, and how not to sit back and let things happen that God has given us the ability to overcome them. The Word of God says in Romans 8, 28, that He'll use everything for good in your life for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And that is you and that is me. Now, here's what happens in many people's life. How many of you would say here today that you 
obviously are not flowing where God wants you eventually to be and you know it. In other words, you feel like you haven't gotten into that zone. In basketball, the, 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 there's, a, there's a zone you get into when you just can't miss a shot. Uh, players know what there is, the zone you get into. When, when you get into a zone or when you get into this, you just know it's the right thing to do. How many of you would say that spiritually in following after God with what he has for you, you haven't arrived yet? Can I see your hand? Okay, looks like a lot of hand. Now, God is waiting to show you. He will not interfere with what you want to do with your life. And, and we've got Annabelle going to college right now. Daniel just finishing up his master's. And, 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 and so many kids in school today. First of all, you've got to be careful where you send your child because universities can be a very dangerous place with a liberal progressive mindset. Uh, you need somebody that's going to, you need to make sure you know where your kids are going to school and who's teaching your kids. But, but, but it's like, well, where, how much money can I make? Money's never the issue. Everybody say money's never the issue. How much status can I get? Well, how many people are applying for this job? Well, how, is there a demand over here, a demand over there? God knows exactly where you belong in what school or not school, and he knows exactly what he's called you to do. And that when we get to that point, then we are absolutely full of promise for what God says. The word says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred means that a lot of times we, we, we hope we can do something or we, we become something or years go by and, and we never really seem to pursue what was in our heart. Does that make sense to you? In other words, it's just the same old, what's the old song Peggy Lee sang years ago? If that's all there is, then just keep on dancing. In other words, it, it was a very, demo, uh, not demonic, well, it might have been. <laughs> it, was, it, was a very depress, it was a very depressing song. It's like, if that's all there is to life, and then why not just keep on dancing? No, there's a lot. We're getting ready to, one of, to, to enter into one of the most exciting periods of time we've ever experienced. We are pushing right into the end. We don't know when the end, end days are, but we, I tell you what, we are close to them. We are so close to them. I think we've entered into them, actually. And, and just before that great tribulation, just before the rapture of the church comes, the greatest days for the church, the bright light, the darkness, the bright, all of those things, and we have the victory. Let's all say, we have the victory. So what happens is, is that we walk in the fullness of it, and, and we trust God for everything that we do. And it says in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, because this is a great scripture for those who, who would say, well, Things haven't worked out the way I thought they would. You know, how, how old was I when we ended up leaving Tulsa? I was almost, was I 48? I was 48 years old. Gee. I thought that was old then, but it looks good now. Psalms <laughs> 37. I know what I'm talking about. I've lived what I'm telling you right now. Where is this all there is? Is this the way? I got six kids. I can't afford either one of them. I got a wife. I don't even know who she is. I just got married. And, and what am I going to do? And I said, I'm going to put you in ministry and you're not going to make any money. Glory to God. That's about how it went. And, uh, and it's like, I feel like I'm going downhill fast. And, and there were times when I... I <laughs> ready to cut and run or something. I don't know why I was ready to. Like, God, what have I gotten into? Well, now that I look back, 
it's easy to say, oh, listen, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. <laughs> that wasn't what I was preaching back then. <laughs> it's like, how the heck did I ever get involved in this thing? But when I look back on it now, it's like, oh, God, it is absolutely miraculous. When I sit back, and I don't want to digress too much here, but when I sit back and think about what's happened in the Sudan, I try to be careful not talking about it because I don't want any attention to be on me. All I did was wrote in my prayer journal what God said and did it. And watch what he did. And there was no way we could have figured it out. And I remember God said, build an orphanage. And I said, how do, I don't know, this is how I talk to God. I, I, apparently he likes me. <laughs> I heard, I saw, I was sitting in the office right over there. And I had a letter from this guy and it said, he said, the, the, we're trying to build an orphanage in, in the Sudan. And instantly my spirit, this is what I heard, help him build the orphanage. And I said, I don't know how to build an orphanage. And this is what I heard. I do. I said, well, yeah, you do, but I don't know how. I'm, I'm, this is the conversation we have. And so I wrote it down in my prayer journal. I write everything down in my prayer journal. And, and, and then later on, I'll go back and say, that can't be God. It doesn't line up with Scripture. But a lot of it does. And, and so I wrote this down. And then that first prayer journal, you all, you all know the story. Uh, it, uh, I, I prayed and said, God, I, we need $12,000. Well, back then, in 2000. Six, I think it was. That's a lot of money because we didn't have to. How many of you realize anything's a lot of money if you don't have anything? And we didn't have any money. We were just breaking even. And and, and all of a sudden it's $12,000. And, and God said, uh, 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 do it. So I committed to do the $12,000 because I thought God said so. And then I thought, what have I done? And I told the guy, we'll give him $12,000. And then uh, it was John. Uh, 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 no, it wasn't John at first. It was me. And, and so I told Pam, and she said, what are you going to do? And I said, we're going to have a golf. I, I said, well, I prayed about it, and I think we're going to have a golf tournament. I said, a golf tournament? Do you know how to do a golf tournament? I said, nope. I said, well, how are you going to raise $12,000? I said, I don't know, but John... He's a golf coach at Harrison. We'll give it to him. And so I called, so I called John and I said, John, we're going to raise $12,000, build an orphanage in the Sudan, and we're going to build the first building, and we're going to have a golf term. And so really, where are we going to have it? And I said, I don't know, wherever you say. And he says, <laughs> wherever I say. And I said, yeah. I said, You're, you, you coach golf and you teach golf. You ought to know you, your way around golf course. You take care of it. Well, to make a long story short, we raised $11,000 that night. I was so excited, so excited, I really was. I said, I said, the reason I tell you this is because now I'm looking at things way beyond that that God is showing oh, God. I had told God the other day for about the umpteenth time, do you know how old I am? <laughs> and I heard this loud and clearly, yes, I do. And that was all I heard. And so anyway, I'm in Walmart that night, and, and I know some of you heard this story before, but I'm in Walmart that night, and this lady comes in, and what are you doing, Bill? I'm holding a golf tournament tomorrow morning, blah, blah, blah. It's my son. My grandson plays golf. I said, great. So I'm happy with $11,000, even though I thought God said $12,000. The morning of the golf tournament, this grandson shows up. He goes and gets in his golf cart. I'm in my golf cart. Some of you played in that tournament. He gets out of his golf cart, walks over to me and said, hey, I forgot. My grandma gave me an envelope and handed me an envelope 
with a $1,000 check. I never told her, never told her any of that. And the, when we teed off, we had $12,000. Glory to God. And now I'm happy. <laughs> How many of you realize hindsight, full of faith? Totally 2020. Now I'm happy. And so then the guys that go over there with the guy, and God says, This is the man, Stanley. This is the man. I want you to help. He's, he's, he's getting ready to leave the ministry, but I want you to help him and come alongside him and help establish cash flow. Okay, I relate to that, businessman. So I come back, and God says, This is what I heard. Have a have a, uh, another golf tournament. And I said, okay, where will we do it? And instantly I heard putt-putt. I love putt-putt. It's gone, but I love the putt-putt. And, and, uh, and, and, and so I wrote in my prayer journal, let your light shine in a dark world. Sudan was a tremendously dark place at that time. Still having trouble. And so I wrote that in my prayer journal. I said, okay, God, how much are we going to raise? Now, 12000 was a stretch. I heard 50,000. 50,000? I'd, now you would think I'd get smarter, but I'm not. <laughs> and I said, 50,000? I don't know how to raise $50,000. That's what I heard. I do. How many of you, I know this is a real understatement, but how many of you realize God's a lot smarter than you are? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's a lot smarter than we are. If God tells you to do it, he knows how he wants you to do it, and he will make every single situation come into play. But you're going to have to walk through some things. This is what it says in Psalms 37. Trust in the Lord, do, uh, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He'll put them in your heart and he will fulfill those desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Who's going to bring it to pass? Lord's going to bring it to pass. To make a long story short, some people worked real hard, but when we finished the night of that golf tournament, some of you were involved, we had 50, over 50 thousand dollars came in when I went out to lease the golf tournament from this guy out there we paid him four or five hundred dollars to just take over the whole thing for the day and he and he said what's what's your goal and I said fifty thousand dollars he said you can't do that you you can you can't raise fifty thousand dollars here and I thought well, that's really great because I'm, I'm I'm wondering myself <laughs> and he's confirming my wonderment now we have two that almost are in agreement let's all stand and all of a sudden, it all comes into play. And now, God is getting ready to take us as a church to the next level. Everything that God tells you that he wants you to do, he will bring to pass. But in the process, he will tell you steps to take that he will watch you. And if you will do what he tells you to do, his blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28. 
through obedience, which is the most important thing that we need and the most important thing that is lacking in the world today. It's lacking in our schools. It's lacking in our government. It's lacking in the world. Obedience to authority that is higher than yours. And if you're not careful, 40, how old was I when I was saved? 38? 38. I went 38 years of my life absolutely serving my thoughts, my plan, my purpose. When I first got saved, it wasn't any different. I just told God what my plan, my purpose was, and I want your blessings. And the first scripture I got a hold of was John 14, 14. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. God, I got a list for you. First thing I asked for when I got saved and got that scripture, I want a Lincoln Continental. Still haven't got that Lincoln Continental. I told God everything that I wanted. And it was just like silence. So I just kept telling them because I knew what the word said. Well, number one, I didn't need any of it. Number two, I was dumber than a box of rocks. But then through the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I began to find out how this thing worked. God was not looking to work for me. He was looking for me to work for Him. And when I finally got the order settled, there's nothing like it. The most gratifying experience in the world is to get up in the morning and know that you are, to the best of your ability, in the center of the will of God doing what he's called you to do. You're walking on water, and without God, you're going to drown. But you know that you know that you know that the steps you're taking are the steps that he called you to take. Can you say amen? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you this question. Do you know that if you died today, you would awaken in heaven and be with Jesus? Word of God says to be absent from the body for the believer that knows Jesus is to be present with the Lord. And all over this church, if you're here and you'd say, you know, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to be with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're like the prodigal son, prodigal daughter. You know that you have walked away from the things of God. And if I've described you, you'd say, I know my life is not right with God. I know that I need to receive him and come back to him all over this church. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. 
I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.